Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. We're concluding, actually, the series on healthy relationships, and um, I'm going to be talking about the parent-child relationship. I'm not talking about parenting. I'm talking about the parent-child relationship. Um, How many here are actually uh, a child of someone? (laughs) Yeah. So even when we're grown up, we're still children, and we still relate to our parents, right? Uh, there's still that dynamic. Um, and, uh, you know, this past year has been really, really stressful. Have you noticed? Uh, uh, but it's had a massive toll on parents and children, um, and overall mental health, uh, families, you know, we, my wife and I chose to homeschool and we had years to prepare before we actually, uh, started homeschooling. So it was very gradual and we have tons of resources uh, but boy, this year, parents were thrust into homeschooling, you know, with no notice, no preparation, and in often cases, unwillingly, <laughs> you know. And then they had to work at home too, which, in my opinion, is a contradiction of terms. All right, you can't work at home and homeschool. What? what that's just crazy. And so the stress that that's caused uh, for children has been seen, and parents, uh, the emotional uh, toll has been huge. Uh, Teen emergency room visits for mental health emergencies have increased 34%. Actually, I listened to a radio uh, news program, and they were talking about um, uh, in many areas, there's um, teenagers and children, younger children, are waiting weeks in the emergency room uh, in order to get a placement in a psych unit or a mental hospital for mental health issues, and they interviewed this one woman, girl who was in basically a warehouse divided with curtains in the hospital because they had so many kids. She had to wait 17 weeks before an opening came up, and they were just uh, sedating her, you know, and it got worse. Every week she got worse, and and uh, and this is the case in many many areas around the country because there's there's really this you know there's a pandemic but there's like shadow pandemics there's other consequences that hap- that are happening and given to this the pressure that parenting and and relating the child parent relationship the stress that we're uh, already been suffering with the massive upheaval of social norms around family and what family is and sexuality and identity and other things that have been bedrocks of our society have been uprooted over the last uh, uh, few decades and we're we're in a period of really crisis and then add to that all of the uh, difficulty of the pandemic and has just pushed a lot of people over the limit. So regardless of these things that we're currently uh, suffering and enduring, You know, God's word stays true. God's word is true all the time or it's not true at all. Amen to that? So, now I'm not saying that every scripture applies to every situation all the time. But in general, God's word is always true. And this means that we need to learn to apply timeless truths in a world that's in constant flux. And that's just the reality of Christianity. Um, the last verse of the Old Testament, I love that the, the Old Testament 
uh, kind of wraps up in this statement, and it's speaking of, uh, prophetically, it's a prophetic book uh, prophesying about the coming of the gospel and the prophet that would come to introduce the Messiah. And set as uh, in, in Malachi 4, 6, that the prophet would come to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And so we have in this uh, that Scripture <clears throat> has this promise of restoring intergenerational relationships that have, have been broken by sin. And the whole Old Testament tells us the story of how brokenness, even uh, it, it, with God's intervention and in the law and all that he did, it still resulted in brokenness, brokenness. But there was going to come a Messiah, and there was hope, because throughout Scripture, there's a theme of restoring relationships. And the series is all about having healthy relationships. Think of this. <clears throat> Sin broke... The relationship between Adam and Eve, it, it, it ultimately completely shifted how Adam and Eve uh, related to one another as individuals, but it also broke their relationship with their heavenly father. And so here, the, the God who is perfect had a broken relationship with his son, Adam, that he created. Um, and then sin continued to destroy the very first family when their son, their firstborn son, killed Abel, his brother. So can you imagine Adam and Eve having to experience the grief of losing a son and the additional grief of, of being separated from uh, their firstborn because he was cast out uh, and, and marked. And so... Uh, that, uh, you know, of course, they continued to have children. Seth was their third born. But humanity begins with a broken family. All right? That's the big idea here. If you read the first few chapters of Genesis, and if you don't get that idea, if that doesn't come across, then you, you, you need to read it again. All right? Because that's the big idea. It's like, guess what, family? It's broken. Humanity is broken, and humanity uh, starts out broken in brokenness, and, and every family, to varying degrees, uh, also has brokenness. There's a great promise, and the promise of Scripture <clears throat> is that there's hope in God's Word, and there's, there's hope in the Gospel. I like this, uh, message, this verse in Ephesians, talking about what Jesus accomplished on the cross when he died, and he took not only the, the penalty for our uh, sin, but he also took the power of sin for those who accept him as Lord. We can live free from that curse, from that sin, and of course that means the consequences of sin, the brokenness that comes through sin. We are, have a, a, the opportunity to be delivered from that. But this verse says, so, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Okay, so Jesus' death on the cross has the power to transform us, and there's a progression here from strangers and foreigners, in other words, people who are very distant and very different, to citizens, and that word means uh, natives of the same town. It's like you, you went from being aliens to being citizens and people of the same heritage. And then one more step, 
and to members of God's family. It's a Greek word, oikios, which is a very significant word. It means the nuclear family. And so the cross, the blood of Jesus shed for you when you accept it as the power to free you from sin, transforms you from a stranger to a citizen, and not just a citizen, but one of God's family. And that's the promise of God's word. God uh, uh, means that that power to transform alienated people to family members is, uh, is for every relationship. But Paul in Scripture applies this truth to the parent-child relationship in a number of places. And that's what we're going to look at for the next few minutes. Colossians chapter 3.20. <clears throat> Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. You know, maybe we should have all the kids memorize that. <laughs> for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. I like that translation, exasperate. I like the simple balance in this scripture in that uh, both generations share responsibility for this relationship, okay? Children need to be obedient. And when it says fathers, this doesn't mean moms can exasperate their kids, you understand that, right? <laughs> it means parents. Right? It's just in the general. Uh, um, uh, and so both the parents and the children need to work together. Uh, and they're both responsible for the relationship and to keep the relationship healthy. Clicker stopped working. There you go. And the motivation, the motivation is different. And the motivation for the children and this is children of any age. So I'm talking to all of you. My parents have, are both passed away. My dad's been dead for decades. But you know what? My relationship with him still affects me. How I think about my dad, I, I think about him more now than I did when he was alive. It's kind of weird because now, guess what? I'm the age he was when he died. That's weird. Like, from here on out, I'm older than my dad. And so it's like, wow, weird. <laughs> and, and so it affects us. And, and the motivation in our child role is to treat our parents with respect because it pleases God. Oh, it's not for their benefit. It's for our benefit because it pleases our heavenly father. It has to do with our relationship with God. And be obedient, actually, the best translation to that is listen attentively. Parents, don't you wish your kids listened to you? They just would listen to you. And that's actually what that word means. But we also need to listen. Listen attentively. All right? And, of course, it means recognizing their authority as a parent. But our relationship with our parents change. What's expected of a six-year-old is completely different than what's expected of a 16-year-old, right? And when we're parenting, we need to understand that. Because you don't, if you think your 16-year-old is going to act the same way that they did when they were six, you're in for some big surprises, all right? Or a 26-year-old, wow, everything changes. They're adults. Oh, my kid, my youngest turns 20 next month, all right? So all my kids are grown-ups. And so I have to treat them differently. Or a six-year-old, you know? Uh, I remember my mom. I'd visit my mom, and I was in my 50s. 
and she'd be telling me what to eat. I'm like, Mom, you know I'm 52. <laughs> I know what to eat now. I didn't say it like that, <laughs> but I felt it like that. <laughs> but, you know, she was still the mom, and she just wanted me to hear her, listen attentively, and I didn't eat what she told me to eat. Because, you know, what have made me sick? I'm two years old. I can't eat that anymore. She couldn't believe I didn't like milk anymore. I haven't drink, drink milk in 30 years. <laughs> She's like, what do you mean you don't drink milk? You drink milk all the time. She was thinking of me as a 10-year-old. All right? And so our, our relationship differs, but the relationship is still just as important. At every stage of life, we need to learn how to relate to our parents in healthy, appropriate ways. And the parent motivation to not exasperate, and that can be um, overstimulate. It means to anger or cause an emotional overreaction. And the reason for we're not, to not do that is to not discourage them so that they don't lose heart. And so our motivation should be always in how we treat our kids for what's best for them. So what's best for a six-year-old is different than a 16-year-old is different than a 26-year-old is different than a six-year-old. All right? And as a parent, you need to change how you relate to them, always with the motivation of just trying to seek to do what's best for them. But remember, we're all broken. And so we do it in the best way that we can, and we uh, relate to our parents in the best way we can uh, in order to have that relationship be healthy. It's expanded a little more in uh, Paul's writing to the uh, church in Ephesus. Same issue, same ideas, just a little more to it. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, <clears throat> do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in, with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And so, again, Paul is referring back to one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, that, you may, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So that is the first <clears throat> commandment dealing with interpersonal relationships. The previous commandments of the 10 dealt with our relationship with God, and then, then, it, then they begin dealing with our relationships with one another, starting with how we relate to our parents, uh, because our relationship with our parents is the first relationship we have with another person. Right? It begins while you're still in the womb. And so that relationship has incredible effect on all of your life, as well as all of your relationships. Honoring your parents, in other words, living to, uh, learning to live in a, in a healthy relationship with our mother and father, with the, those who parent us, whether they're our biological parents or adoptive parents or spiritual parents, understanding that relationship establishes not only that relationship, but brings a blessing in every area of our lives. And God put that in the Ten Commandments because it's so important and it's so vital to understand. It's intended to create that relationship creates a baseline for, how, uh, for all of our relationships. In other words, if we get that relationship right, you're more likely to get every other relationship right. 
And that honor is a primary defining characteristic of healthy relationships. Honor. How you treat one another, especially in the area of honoring others, just is the foundational ingredient of having healthy relationship. And it needs to start with how we treat our parents and, and that relationship between parents and children. <clears throat> Likewise, dysfunction in that nuclear family creates dysfunction everywhere else. And unfortunately, as I've said, we all live with a measure of dysfunction. But we also have access to God's word, which has the creative power to heal that dysfunction and bring blessing, all right? And so as we live, we need to learn how to benefit from the power of God's word. And the first part of it is you have to believe it, okay? You have to actually believe that the gospel can restore relationships. If the gospel could restore your relationship as an, uh, from an enemy of God, destined for hell and destruction, bent on sin and doing your own will, to a servant of God, in love with God, willing to sacrifice yourself because he sacrificed himself, if it can change that relationship, my goodness, it can change any relationship. Right? So it's applying that same truth and, and to every relationship, including our relationship with our parents. Believing it and then basing your behaviors on it. But what does honor mean? <clears throat> okay, in English, it means respect, treat with integrity, dignity. The Hebrew word is kabod, and that is most often translated glory. So whenever you read about the glory of God, it's the weightiness. It's the weight that, like in the, in the story, when they dedicated the temple in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God filled the temple to the place where, to the degree that the priest fell down because they could not stand under the weight of the presence of God. So this, it literally means weighty, heavy, and it's translated glory. In the New Testament, it means it's, it's to prize. The Greek word means to fix a value upon uh, to, to revere, to honor or value. So uh, biblically, honor means to recognize the weight or the heavy value that a person has to treasure and to treat someone with extreme worth. Understand <clears throat> that uh, learning how to honor our parents um, and extend that honor uh, to all other relationships is the, is the purpose of that commandment. <clears throat> but parents aren't perfect. Amen? Amen? My parents weren't perfect. I had pretty good parents, but they had some real problems. And, and we as parents aren't perfect. Kathy and I were pretty good parents, but we weren't perfect. <clears throat> Far from it. God knew that. When he gave that command, all right, this is really significant. God knowingly commands us to honor imperfect people as a way to find blessing. Ooh. You know why? Because everyone's imperfect. And if you learn that skill in the most basic relationship with your, relationship with your mom and dad and your siblings, you'll learn how to apply that skill in relationships with everyone else, all right? 
So it's really, it's like marriage. You know? thinks you're going to get married, you're just going to be happily ever after. And like, no, marriage is meant to reveal your most worst aspects about you. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a relationship where you are the most exposed. And so every nasty part of you and of your spouse is going to be revealed in that as a way to fix it. And a, a lot of those issues would never come to the surface if you weren't married. Well, same thing with parenting. It gives us, it, it gives us and it gives God the opportunity to get to the issues. And we value our parents not based on their, uh, their earned worth, but their inherent worth, right? We can show honor even to those who don't behave honorably, okay? We can demonstrate respect and create healthy boundaries that protect us and others from harm, but also that do not bring shame or contempt, all right? That's what honor really means in practice. So <clears throat> the reason I'm... I'm Opening this up is that we all have difficulty with parents, and some parents, some people have suffered horribly uh, from their parents. Some people in this room, no doubt, just because of the numbers of people here, were abused physically or emotionally or verbally. You know, <clears throat> uh, I never had until until my mom moved out, left my father. I remember distinctly I had to choose, which was a bad idea. Uh, I was only about 11 or 12. They asked me, who do you want to live with? Which is, you're not supposed to do that, but they didn't know that. And I didn't want to move. I didn't want to go to another school. I was like, I'm going to stay with dad. I want to stay here. It shocked my mom. Uh, I realized later, as I get older, you know, because she took my younger sister, and she thought I was going to be along to help her. And I was like, I'm not going, I'm staying. But I realized that I'd never had a conversation with my dad in my entire life. I was 12 years old, and I could not remember a single time that he just sat down and talked to me. Now, he talked to me by telling me what to do. Take out the trash. (laughs) Mow the lawn. (laughs) You know, but we'd never had a talk, you know. And so, um, so in one way, he was very emotionally distant. And uh, over the years, things got a lot better. So we need to learn how to honor people that maybe not be honorable. And here's some steps. First is forgive them. And some, you may need to go really deep and, and pray through forgiveness prayers for specifics. Deal with the grief of not having that healthy relationship in a healthy way. All right? You were robbed of something. Because God created uh, us to live in a healthy family, but because of sin, we're all broken. And so you need to deal with the grief, the loss. And then you need to find ways to healthy and appropriately maintain a relationship, okay? So, you know, whatever that looks like, however you apply it, again, in a healthy in a, in a way with healthy boundaries, you know, stay in relationship because one day they won't be around or maybe they are already not around as my parents aren't around. And so now, and even before, you need to seek to hold on to the good aspects and meditate on those things and not just on the bad aspects. Forgive those bad things and, and, and forget them, right? 
let them, let them, it doesn't mean you don't change your behavior to create boundaries, but you don't hold on to the grudges, you don't hold on to the bitterness. And rather, you hold on to the, the good things, find good things, and then speak and think in respectful ways. So even now, when I think of my parents, I think of their strengths, I think of the gifts that they've given me, uh, and the things that I've benefited from them. And that's, those are ways that we can, I can honor my parents, even at my age, even now that they're passed away. Fathers or parents, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. As parents, we need to realize that we bear responsibility for the way we treat our children and for the outcomes that that treatment produces, okay? And so, hey, <clears throat> uh, every child is different. And we need to treat uh, them in ways that doesn't uh, uh, frustrate or exasperate them. And you need to understand that if your child is dealing with anger issues or other negative emotions, it's very, very likely they're dealing with something that they got from you, all right? And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Uh, most problems that children deal with are problems that uh, you had at least some degree of influence in. Either you did something that was harmful or you didn't do what was helpful. And just at least acknowledging your role in it. Again, even if they're adults, you need to acknowledge, what's my role? How can I do it better? How can I give them more liberty? If they're, if they're adults, how can I not, uh, uh, you know, step on their individuality? Um, if they're children, am I treating them in a way that actually makes them more frustrated because they see the world differently than I? Taking responsibility for your part of the equation is part of uh, uh, parenting well and part of being uh, uh, healthy in your relationship with your children. Uh, rather than enrage, we're to engage our children with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And that really means nurture and training. It's a combination of that nurturing aspect, the care, the love, and the instruction that we provide. And without a good balance of both, you can, you can err. If you're just always nurturing, but you don't give any direction and instruction, that's no good. If you're just telling them things to do, but you're not uh, communicating love and affection, that's not healthy as well. So there's that good, good balance. I like how the message translates this. Fathers or parents, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. And realizing that as parents, we're stewards, okay, of our children, regardless of what their age. And a steward doesn't own what they steward. They're caring for what has been entrusted to them. And so as parents, we're caring for our children, but ultimately we're just a temporary, uh, it's a temporary role in a sense because God is their heavenly father. And as they grow, they become their own individual. And just recognize the importance of that and doing it in the way that Jesus would. So looking to Jesus as the master and saying, how would Jesus parent my child? this five-year-old that's having a temper tantrum. You know, how would Jesus parent my teenager when they're, <clears throat> you know, doing whatever they're doing? <laughs> Which is like, 
Who understands what teenagers do? Sorry if there's any teenagers in the room. <laughs> I was one once, believe it or not. Can you believe that? I was a teenager. <laughs> how do you parent your adult grown children? In a way, how would Jesus deal with them? So all of these things, uh, again, affects us our whole lives. Jesus cares about these relationship, and God's word has the power to transform that relationship and make it fruitful and healthy. Bill, could you come up and close the service? Thank you. God bless you. So good and so practical. You're all a child. Uh, did you know that? I realized it this morning sitting here in the front row. Why don't you stand with me? We're just going to take a moment to respond. Um, you know, in Luke chapter 15, I think it is, there's a story of two lost sons. One totally estranged from his father, went away and lived a life totally contrary to what his father wanted for him, and another one who lived in the house and did not get his dad, you know, and both needed to be reconciled. And so I just want to take a minute. If you need to be reconciled to your father God, take a minute to do so this morning. Whether you're here in the house or you're far, far away from him, living totally contrary to his way, be reconnected and reconciled to your father God. All it takes is saying, hey, God, I screwed up. I'm sorry, and I want to be your son, your daughter. And he'll, just like the story goes, he'll welcome you back with a great big hug. Um, if you want to see somebody to talk about that, someone to pray with you through that, come see the prayer team or, or myself after service today. Um, for the rest of us, let's just kind of wrap this morning and this series up with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this series where we took time to learn about what your word says about being in healthy relationships. Um, all the different kinds of relationships that we looked at. We thank you, Jesus, for the way that you modeled and taught for us how to be in healthy relationships. Help us to soak in what we learned. Help us to live life your way, to truly follow the way of the master, as Pastor Cameron said this morning, in all of our relationships. God, would you just kind of drop on us right now um, through your Holy Spirit, those relationships that aren't going good and what we can do to make it better, what responsibility we can take for the problem and what we can do to make it better how we can shine your light in relationships that are maybe looking a little dark, God. Let us be your agents of reconciliation in this world in every relationship we have. Give us wisdom to set those healthy boundaries where they need to be without shame or contempt. I love that point. We need help to get good at it, God. Help us with that. And would you just foster really healthy, strong relationships in this community of believers, God, as we go forward and move on through the summer and move on to the next uh, series where we learn new things. Help us to just keep building relationships here within our church family. Thank you, Jesus, that you are at work at New Day Community Church and in our area. In Jesus' name, amen.